Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. It is both a joy and a humbling challenge to worship with my husband every week. For most of our marriage and ministry, we haven't been together on Sunday mornings. And I'll be honest, that lets me get away with a little bit more. This is what I mean. In the service, after we lift up and lay down before God the concerns and prayers that are on our hearts, after we remember before him the tragedies of the fires in California and beg him for wisdom and patience to infuse Washington and Austin, then we confess our sins. Now that's uncomfortable enough, spending those few moments of silence when the Holy Spirit can bring to the fore the sins of our week. Or we could also work on shoving the Holy Spirit's voice away. The very worst part, though, comes right after that the passing of the peace. Because then, that's when you find out if you really did repent of your sin. When the person against whom I sin the most, the one who gets most of my misplaced anger and mortal frustration, stands right next to me, I'm expected to turn to him and say, Peace be with you. In other words, I meant to say, we're good. There's no darkness or sin left between us. And looking into this person's eyes, any person's eyes, you really have to mean it. I really do have to repent. I find out awfully quickly if I really did leave my sin on God's altar and turn away from it, whether I really did mean to purge it out of my life and let go of my precious little evil darling. Passing the peace is one of those rituals, one of those habits that could be put on autopilot and sometimes is. If you take a moment to reflect, though, I wonder if you can predict your usual path during that moment of the service. Do you always turn to the person next to you first and then work your way out to the aisle? Or maybe everyone comes to you and you know who will be the first person to offer you peace and because they sit a little further away, who will be the last to arrive? It can be something that we just, a movement we go through as rote. A thousand years ago, when Christians passed the peace, basically everybody that you knew was sitting in the pews with you. And the symbol was awfully immediate. The neighbors who you'd gossiped about that week were sitting just a few rows back. The mother-in-law who you'd shrugged off was sitting just on the other side of your children. The children, for their part, were the ones that you'd yelled at because of their maddening habit of not communicating well enough. 
in the past week. Reminders of your sin were sitting all around you. But that at that glorious moment of the passing of the peace, having just received God's absolution, God's words and proclamation of forgiveness through the priest's voice, we're all drawn back together. The gossip and the avoidance and the loss of temper are remembered no more. And the peace which your toddler eagerly offers you with his chubby hand and his snotty kiss reminds you of the unconditional love that God has seen through this window of forgiveness. So then today, even though our co-workers and our in-laws aren't all here in the pews with us, the people who are here, friends and acquaintances, they stand in for that same unconditional love and the same forgiveness that God continually offers to each one of us. If we take the passing of the peace off of autopilot, we might find it a little bit more uncomfortable, but I've found that always, always, it's in the uncomfortable moments that God starts to grow us and make us new. From this little snapshot of the passing of the peace, let's move our focus out a bit more, broaden it. What are other things that we put on autopilot? What are other moments that we might learn something from? Other times that God might be trying to reach out and touch us, but because we're dashing about, racking up handshakes, or sharing our weak, absent smiles with every face that passes by, we miss when God knocks. This is part of the challenge of Advent, this season and attitude that Christ followers are called to dive into during what's often called in the U.S. the busiest time of the year. When people get busy, we put as much as, pos- as, much as possible in our lives on autopilot. We get into cooking ruts. We work problems out in our mind as we're driving. We stay up late wrapping presents. We dash to the grocery store, to the kitchen, to the post office, to the Christmas party, not even stopping to take a breath. And as we put our lives, our minds, our hearts, our bodies on autopilot, we miss things like the passing of the peace. It's exactly at the time when our traditions and surrounding world are telling us to ramp up and move faster and get busier, all for the sake of love, right? That God set up for his church, his people, to slow down, to move in exactly the opposite direction, to take as much as possible off of autopilot, to notice and wait and be still. So there's this great 
tension that Jesus' followers are called to live into during Advent. Sure, every day that followers of Jesus walk into secular workplaces and schools and to retail stores and restaurants, Christians are entering worlds and environments that don't exactly line up with the call that God has placed on their lives. But the tension and the pull is especially acute right now. And that's a stress and a stretching that each one of us feel. It might manifest in a shorter temper or more tiredness. It might manifest in more nervous energy and a renewed vigor to get all the things done. However it is that this pull between God's call and the world we live in shows up in your life, it tempts us to put things on autopilot rather than sit still and observe and stay uncomfortable in the middle of this strain. But friends, I've got good news. Indeed, this is the good news because as the gospel this lesson this week tells us, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God is coming. God comes in Jesus Christ. God knocks on our door. God comes for a visit. There is no searching. There is no making yourself presentable and worthy. There is no contorting yourself to be acceptable to God. There is no making warm cookies and pouring cold milk for the sake of bribery. While we may run to Target for gifts and dash to our kitchens for baking and race to our parties in sparkly clothes for merriment and for forgetting all of the tension and stress of real life, when God comes to each of our homes, when God in Jesus comes into each of our lives and hearts, there's no need to dust up all the cobwebs or shove all the dirty clothes under the bed. There's no need to make the centerpieces just perfect or to account for Jesus's dietary preferences in your carefully curated menu. Preparing the way of the Lord, which Isaiah and John the Baptist urge for us this week, is not about cleaning up our acts, stashing our bad habits, polishing up the fronts of our houses. Preparing the way of the Lord, making our hearts and lives ready to receive God in Jesus Christ when he comes and when he knocks on our doors is just about turning the lights on. It's just about being home. We don't have to go out and find Jesus. We don't have to run into the highways and the byways to urge God to come into our lives. The gospel tells us this morning that God comes to find us. We are the ones who God himself pursues. God, Jesus, the good shepherd, sets out to find that one lost lamb. And when he finds us, he knocks he asks to come in. God asks to sit 
and wait and be still with us. God seeks us in the small moments of our days. God looks for us in moments of peace. Just like our epistle encourages us. Therefore, beloved, while you wait for these things, strive to be found by him at peace. The call this season, in every season, surely, but especially at frenetic moments like this, is to be found at home. Be found at peace. Turn on the lights in the windows of your heart. Take passing of the peace off of autopilot. Take greeting your spouse in the morning or after work off autopilot. Take the writing of holiday cards and the picking up of your children from school and the chopping and baking of food and the walking of your dog and the making phone calls to family out of your mindless routine. And bring these moments before God, realizing that God wants to reach out to you and seeks to reach you and teach you through showing love to your family and friends. God longs to minister to you while you feed your family and tend the bodily needs of your pets. God came to earth in the form of a baby, Jesus, in the form of a human, just like each and every one of us, to show that still today, this very morning, he wants to reach us in everyday and ordinary moments of our lives. As he knocks on your door, be awake. And with courage, open the door. Invite him in. Wait. And be still with him a little while. Amen. Amen. Amen.